Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nation's Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief here at NRN, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week, I'm talking with three, yes, count them, three leaders from Jersey Mike's, one of the hottest restaurant chains in America today. NRN recently had the pleasure of serving as media partner for the Prosper Forum, an event hosted in Amelia Island, Florida, that brings together restaurant executives uh, with the goal of elevating the future of food service and hospitality and specifically investing in the next generation of diverse talent. As part of that, we were able to sit down in person with more than a, a dozen food service leaders to hear their stories and discuss how they're investing in their people and their culture. Over the coming weeks, we will be rolling out these conversations both on Takeaway as well as on our podcast, Extra Serving. And we're starting with, with this episode highlighting Jersey Mike's. Founder and CEO Peter Cancrow was one of the keynoters at Prosper. And immediately following his talk, we sat down to discuss the chain's remarkable success over the past 50 years, and especially over the past three years, during which they've grown their sales by 60% and opened around 300 locations per year. That success is really rooted in how the brand invests in its team members and really turns them into leaders. Later in this episode, you will also hear from Jersey Mike's COO, Mike Manzo, who helps to activate the brand's people program and who has been with Jersey Mike's since he was a teenager. You'll also hear from Shelby Sticka, a district manager for Jersey Mike's in Arizona, who is a rising star and a perfect example of the success that the company has had with investing in its team members. In this conversation, you will learn more about why you should treat your company like a training company, why you should show your employees the path that they can take to leadership positions, and how you can measure your brand's success by the impact on all of your stakeholders. Jumping now into my interviews with Peter Cancro, Mike Manzo, and Shelby Sticka of Jersey Mike's. Also, don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my six takeaways from this discussion actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. All right, Peter Cancro, the founder of Jersey Mike's. Peter, thanks for joining me today. And uh, Sam. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, Peter and Sam. This is going to be the Peter and Sam show, I think. Yeah, here I like up. it. So you and I just came from a session where you spoke about Jersey Mike's success, but also your approach to leadership and development and how people have been so core to the Jersey Mike's story. So I want to get into that, but I want to start with... Uh, your your friend and colleague Walter mentioned that Jersey Mike's is the hottest brand in America, and I think he's true. I think that's true. Yeah. You guys have your sales have grown sixty percent in the last three years, as you said. Right. You guys have been leading the way in the industry as far as unit growth every year for the last couple of years. Right. What's behind that success these last couple of years? So it's funny. In January, we always get together with the whole team, and they're all kind of saying, "Peter, why don't you ever want to celebrate?" and I said, well, you know, we were ranked third in Entrepreneur Magazine in the top 500. You pick up every magazine out there, and we're, like, leading in all indicators. And I go, okay, well, we must be doing well. I read it in the magazine. <laughs> so my approach is, no, we've got to do better every year. So the training's got to hit. And I remember listening to Howard Schultz early on <clears throat> talking about how they were a training company. And he was a riveting speaker. It really made an impression on me. And I said, you know what, we're going to be a training company. And we, we feel we are. Mm. And that's really the thing that's really taking us uh, 
consistently higher and higher, the same store sales rising, the units, the existing owners expanding. Um, it's been really unprecedented the last three years. Yeah. What's, what's the difference of the Jersey Mike's training approach than what you might expect from a normal restaurant company? Why is, yours, why is your approach working so well, do you mm. think? I guess it's the way we embrace it, the hours that we put in. You know, three people have to go through, you know, two and a half to months of training, kind of coincides with the construction of the unit. But we really go overboard with that. And then we just did a big training this past year with the district managers, guys that were managers and now overseeing three, 10, 15 restaurants. We had to get in and really kind of put our arms around them and kind of, hey, we've got to be more than a UPS driver putting out fires. We've got to be leaders and, and kind of teach and train our owners and the guys, people that are doing that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really been the big difference for us. Talking about franchisees, because Walter, who's a franchisee, uh, he was uh, speaking with you as well. And it, it, your commitment to your franchisees is very clear as well. And mm. so you're, you're, the training of the employees is important. But you're investing in your franchisees. Tell me about some of the ways you guys invest in your franchisees. Yeah, so from the beginning, we don't like to call them franchisees. Mm. We like to call them owners and partners. And before you come on board with us, or you're new, uh, we want to see you. We want to meet you. We want to make sure that we're growing with people that care about our culture. And you can discern that. I've been behind the counter since I was 14, uh, meeting and greeting New Yorkers, North Jersey. It's a tourist town down in Point Pleasant. But it's really you can kind of see what somebody's about in that meeting um, to see what they care about. Ask them, you know, where'd you go to high school? Did you play any sports? Where, what were you involved with and what are you involved with now? And do you, what do you think about your people? And mm-hmm. that's critical to us. Uh, yep. We got to invest in our people, our managers, making more salary as a manager than most any other concept in the industry. Mm-hmm. There were a few stories shared during the session on of, of you giving stores to rewarding stores yeah. to owners. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in your stories, you make it sound like you just make it up on the spot. I'm sure you do a little bit more work than that. But tell me about what, what do you see in people that you mm. you want to give somebody a store? You can yeah. see it in them. I mean, you choked up briefly during the yep. session. It's this is important to you. Yes. Sure. What do you see in somebody that you want to reward yeah. them with a store? So you meet the people and you kind of know who you're meeting with, what group, what city, and you hear about different people and what's happening. And and then I meet them, and maybe I haven't met them before, but I see firsthand in their eyes, their energy, how they carry themselves, and you know their background, how long they've worked, you know, how they can make subs and speed, sense of urgency. And it's really, to be honest with you, it's a gut feel that I go with, and I award people with their own franchise. And when we do that, we're paying for it. Mm-hmm. the company. Um, so that's a, a big difference than what a lot of people are doing. And then a lot we do back them financially and then they pay it back. But the manager of the year, every year that's chosen through the company, they get a free franchise. And a lot of them continue to work with their owners. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of cool to see. You know, they don't depart there. They have their own store. They continue to work with their owners. So it's growing pretty well. You mentioned the investment in the um, retrofit that you did. You paid yeah. for every store to retrofit <laughs> a few years ago. Yeah. And, and then but what blew me away, because I, I knew that story. You and I have spoken about that yeah. before. But yeah. what blew me away is you say it, it paid, the investment paid itself off tenfold. Yeah. Um, I, people listening to this are going to be just jaw drop because of that. Right. Because you don't want to necessarily invest money 
people don't want to spend money necessarily. They want franchisees to spend their money, uh, right? But they don't right. see these returns on the investment. Right. What kind of return on investment should people expect to see when in their, making these big investments behind their owners, behind their employees? Right. right. So if you don't invest, what's going to happen? You're going to stay flatlined and drop back. So that's critical, number one. So when you do invest and go after the owners, you know, I first told my uh, team that I was going to do it, and they kind of looked at me, and maybe a week later came back. Okay, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. Because in our contracts, everybody has to pay for their own retrofits. Their new design, you got to constantly do that. Like every five, seven years, you got to be making improvements. So we went ahead and uh, said, you know, we did a 35-city tour, October, November, December of 19, and said we're going to pay for all the retrofits. And what I saw is that if we do it, it's going to happen in a year and a half, not four or five years trying to get people to do it. But it happened, and the same store sales when you retrofit, you know, it's 10% to 15%. California was one of the first markets. We saw a 20% raise in sales. Um, so anytime you put money back in, it really comes back to you. So as far as the measurement, what I put out, 75000 about as an average per store, we saw that with the rise in sales and paying the royalties. We saw a payback like in two years on that. Incredible. So it was just incredible what incredible. happened, which, you know, I kind of sensed that it would be, but I didn't realize it would happen that fast. Yeah. So going back to your success recently, 60% sales increased the last yeah, three years. Yeah. 250 locations every year you guys have been adding the last couple of years, right? 300, yeah. 300. So 308 last year. This year, maybe 310. Next Incredible. year, we, we hope to be like 350. Wow. And that's based on that 13 to 15% unit growth. If okay. you start opening too many, I think you're going to be closing some. Mm. So we're careful with that. People think we're expanding rapidly, but we're not. It's been steady growth. Over the past, you know, 20 years. Well, and how do you pull off? Because they might see think that's rapid because a lot of companies haven't been able to grow with <clears throat> the difficulties in securing materials for growing, <clears throat> the difficulty in securing real estate. How are you pulling off 300 a year? Well, you got some great people. So it's <laughs> yeah. funny. We talk about sports. So Rodney, the head of construction, he was a defensive end. <clears throat> and if you're a defensive end, you got the pulling guard, you got the running backs coming at you. So... He handled it great. We've got a great team, and it's about having approved contractors all over the country. We're one of the few franchise companies that are involved in selecting a site, driving the real estate. We're involved in the plans. We're involved in negotiating a lease, involved in the construction big time, and our training is second to none. And then when we open up the stores, we're there. Like Alaska right now, we just opened a second store, and we're there for weeks with our people mm. You know, because we got hit out there with – major, major volume. And mm -hmm. that's what's happening in a lot of cities across the country. The volumes are way up. You know, our average unit volume now is uh, 1,350,000 per unit. Mm -hmm. We think it's going to be 1.4 by January. Wow. And that's not because of price increases. That's because of gaining bread counts. Mm. We talked about that before, yep. the number of bread. Mm -hmm. I, I'm envisioning a well-oiled machine. And it seems to me like what oils the machine in a restaurant system is its people. Yeah, so it yeah. seems like you're investing in your people because it keeps the machine humming along, right? Sure, sure. So we're the only company in the nation right now. I always talk about, you know, where did you grow up and did you have a local deli that you went to, mom and pop? Mm -hmm. So that's what we're known is a, they know we're a franchise, but we don't feel like a franchise. We're the local sub sandwich shop 
um, because everything is fresh sliced to order, fresh grilled cheesesteaks to order, not pre-cooked out of a bag and in a tray. And uh, the only ones on a national level to do it out of every sandwich chain. Yeah. Amazing. I can't believe it, but, you know, it's, it's true. Yeah. To that end. We are a few days uh, post Subway acquisition. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, you, great. They got a great uh, number, I think. Nine point six billion that yeah. we know of. Good. But if you look at the industry, of course, now Subway with Rourke, Jimmy John's with Inspire, Firehouse Subs is with Restaurant Brands. All, all great for them. But right. it makes me think that you guys are really the last kind of independent restaurant shop uh, among the big chains. Right. What does that mean to you, and how important is mm. for you to maintain that? Yeah. So. I don't get so much into that. Like I said earlier in the meeting, we worry about what we're doing. What's our goal for this year, for this month? Kind of where are we going? How are we going to get there? Who are we going ahead with? We want new people to come in as well, although about 85% are kind of coming back and buying additional stores. But we need new people, and we are getting them uh, as we move. Um, So where we see ourselves, you know, next three years, 24 25, 26. I mean, we're going to be knocking on 4,000 stores by January of 27. Wow. And at that point, you know, it's it's a, a lot of sales, yep. probably over $6 billion at that point. This wow. year, we probably will do over $3.5 billion. So, in sales. so a long way from Point Pleasant and our little <laughs> hole-in-the-wall <laughs> yeah. store, right? So it's kind of, you know, sometimes you reflect a little bit and you go, Wow. I always say, if I ever figure it out, I'll let you know. So, <laughs> Well, I know you won't comment on Subway necessarily, but I, it had to have been flattering to see them add meat slicers because in my head, that was they recognized you guys were the competition to beat. You guys are offering something well, that the customers want. I don't, I don't see it as competition. I see it as a whole different kind of business. Mm. You know, we're the only ones doing what we're doing. Um, you know, maybe they added slicers, but it's not made to order, you know, mm-hmm. fresh slice every sub and not fresh grilled cheesesteaks, and no one's doing it. And I know uh, Jimmy John's, they have slicers in their stores as well. And I don't know both brands, whether they slice the night before or the morning of, but I've been in the business since 1971, and I know firsthand it's a big, big difference Mm -hmm. if you have fresh sliced or not. Mm -hmm. You know, you slice ahead of time, it compromises the product. Right. All right, so Peter, last question. Some another theme in this session, and the theme of this whole event here at Prosper, is is about the impact of the restaurant industry, the the potential of the restaurant industry to impact the world. You can actually change the world, and the room we just left, yeah. the, the scale present in that room, just knowing the people and the the things they can accomplish to change the world. And I th- I think about it with you and the impact on people you're making, and how important that is to you, and what that can then trickle down to accomplish. Yeah. What do you hope to accomplish when it's all said and done? What do you hope Jersey Mike's will have done for the industry and the world? Very broad explanation question. I like to look at it as, you know, we gave Sam down in Houston, Texas, his own store. Mm. And he was in tears and we hugged him and his wife. And he's an incredible operator. He does a great job and rose the sales up. Is he, you know, uh, you know, I hate to say, is he a minority? Well, yes, he is. But that's not why we do it. We do it to people that never thought that they would have their own store ever, but are putting in the work ethic and they have the energy and they have what it takes because this business, ours, is not for everybody. 
And I tell you, it's a, we've awarded almost 100 people so far. We hope to get to like almost 100 a year that we're sort of getting into their own business now. It's, we've got to be careful because franchise owners, right, they need the people to grow. We don't want to steal their people. Mm-hmm. But there's an avenue to get your own store, and everybody knows that, and that's what's happening. Peter Cancro, the founder of Jersey Mike Subs. I appreciate your time. Thanks, yeah, Peter. Thank you, sir. Okay, I'm here with Mike Manzo, the COO of Jersey Mike's. Mike, uh, Mike and Jersey Mike's, that must uh, be very helpful for you. <laughs> it, it, it is. When I want to get into the restaurants or, or the bars back in the day, and, but my mom thinks I'm Mike. So does everybody think you're the Mike? Yeah, my mom does, so that's all <laughs> yeah. that matters. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, tell me about yourself. Um, you've been with Jersey Mike's for a really long time. Tell us about your career. Yeah, we have to remember back in the 70s when Peter purchased the store in 1975, he was still in high school. And he was in high school with my my older brother and um, a couple of my friends. So he always recruited the families. So I started working for Peter back in high school in the late 70s. I graduated high school in 81, went into the Marine Corps, came out in 1985 and started managing his, uh, his only store at the time. It was still called Mike Subs. In 1986-87, we started franchising. That's when we put the name Jersey in front of Mike's and uh, been there ever since. So uh, it's been a bit of a run. And, uh, you know, Peter is a uh, – he's my boss. He's my CEO. He's a friend. He's a brother. Uh, He's my mentor. So um, if I look back at my life, all of my major decisions, you know, he was involved. So I've been been very blessed. And through the years, uh, it's, it's never been this great. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, downtimes, and we lost some franchisees along the way. Um, but we stopped during those moments, and we restructured the company. So we recalibrated through the, the course of time. And uh, it's through those course of time when you learn so much about franchising. most important thing about franchising, in my mind, are the people with the blue aprons on. And uh, they, they affect who, who we've become. Sure. And those uh, blue apron folks... Uh, are now some franchisees. Mm-hmm. So, protecting the brand, protecting the the, um, the quality and the quantity of what we do every day. That was very that was very important throughout all those uh, decades now. Sure. Of growing the brand. You're you're a great representation of the people of Jersey Mike's in that people want to stay at Jersey Mike's. And we talked about this uh, yesterday here at the Prosper Forum. Uh, Peter spoke on this, which was that. You're all about investing in people, and that makes people want to stick around, and there is a, a direct return on that investment. Tell me about Jersey Mike's approach to people, how you guys invest in people. It's, uh, it's organic growth from within. Uh, we, we start managing the stores, and if they show uh, some capabilities and they have the desire to keep learning, they come up to uh, the field positions. Um, so they, they do a tremendous amount of traveling, opening stores, and then they may become an area director or regional director. Um, our two, we have co-director of operations. Those both gentlemen, they, one was with us for 26 years and one is with us for 25 years. And they both wore the apron making sub-sandwiches. In our training department, we have uh, John Hughes has been with us for over 35 years. Um, Kevin, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Brian Logren, 24 years, Josh Bundaberg, 25 years, and you know Marco and Dave, the the director of operations. Those, you know, there's 20, 26 years. So, um, we all came up through the system together, understanding what it takes to be profitable, and teaching that to the franchisees. Yeah. So, 
And then you then you take that equation, and our regional vice presidents have been with us for about twenty years. Mm. So they're they're looking okay. to take the next step. I mean, the last couple of years, it's been such a topic of conversation that labor is really hard. It's hard to a lot of restaurants have said it's you know hard to hire good employees and keep them around. Have you experienced the same? I imagine with your approach to people, it may is it maybe a little bit not as hard for you guys to recruit employees. I, I think the uh, the better franchisees they don't have a problem with it. The other franchisees are, are having some um, some difficulties. Maybe they're not recruiting properly. We try not to hire. We try to recruit. And uh, most of the great employees come right from the customer base. Mm. And they start the, as early as 14, 15, 16 years old. And they work through high school and into into the college years. And uh, we, we show them a path of life. Um, <clears throat> we have a program called I Went From Part-Time to Ownership. And we have a... <clears throat> Conference room des- designated for these folks. There's over uh, 75 stories that people start as a part-time employee. Now they're owners, and um, it may have taken them 13 years to get there or eight years. Um, last week's story, we we highlight every every person uh, once. We highlight one person every week on our uh, weekly newsletter on Fridays, <clears throat> and they get to tell their story. And one of the great stories is the the fellow came in. He had a girlfriend. She just wanted to uh, start working in, uh, in the restaurants. Um, she was there. He joined. They, uh, they're, they're now married, but it's 12 years later. They're both franchisees. Mm. So those type of stories, that you, they just stayed with the brand. Uh, we believe in uh, taking care of the employees, not only financially, but also spiritually and, and personal development and uh, just caring for the, for the employee. Sure. Um, so... Tell me about the Rod Smith program. So Rod Smith was Peter's uh, football coach, his youth football coach, and he was also the, the local banker. So when Peter <coughs> decided to take a uh, um, take the opportunity to try to buy the store, he knocked on Rod's Rod's door Sunday evening uh, at 9 p.m. and and uh, told Rod what he was looking to do is buy the store for $125,000. And Rod took the the uh, the proposal to his board of directors, and he said to the board of directors, um, you know, I, I know Peter doesn't have a business experience, but he is a, he's a hard worker. I know he can get the ball over the goal line because I coached him as uh, as a football player. And Peter was the president of his class in uh, those days, and he had a good name back then. So the uh, the, the board approved it, and that's that's um, that's where the first store started. So Rod Smith essentially believed in Peter. So we started these programs. Um, formerly now it's called the Rod Smith program. Before that, it was called the STAY program. It's short for Sweat, Tears, and Years. So anybody who's been with us for a long time and wants to become a franchisee, well, Peter would sponsor them. So now we formalize it. It's called the Rod Smith uh, program. And what that means is that Peter will fully fund the store. So $450,000, $500,000, whatever it might be, he funds the entire store. Mm. And they start paying them back a few months after the store's opened. And it's on a, uh, a simple principal and interest loan. And uh, they have a, uh, a decent salary coming out of it. But once the store's paid off, it's theirs. It's incredible. So they didn't have to guarantee the, the loan. They didn't have to guarantee the lease. And it's just taken somebody that's been in our uniform for many years and showed desire to become a franchisee and maturity to be a franchisee. Peter went ahead and and, um, and funded it. So, <clears throat> to date, we never took we never kept count of how many people he's done this. 
20 years ago or 15 years ago, I'm going to say it's close to 150 people that he has influenced to get into their own business. It's incredible. Yeah, yesterday when Peter was talking, I mean, he, he choked up at one point talking about the opportunity to provide people with their own business mm-hmm. like this. Um, but obviously you can't just give anybody a store. What's your process for you know, discerning whether or not somebody could make a good Jersey Mike's franchisee? You know, it's, um, we're already speaking about someone that could manage a store. So they understand food costs and payroll. That's fine. But it's the maturity, and it's also the passion to serve and their attitude. So if someone comes to us um, and has been wearing the apron for a while and they, they do a great job, they have a great enthusiasm for the brand, they're good marketers, they're overall they're a good person. Um, and, again, that, that, that attitude comes along with it. Um, I've seen Peter just sit, sit down with folks that he just met, and they tell Peter uh, their story and how they're involved, and he just grants them a uh, Rod Smith Ward. And um, it doesn't mean that that person leaves their franchisee. Uh, it means that that franchisee becomes their, their mentor. So it's still a process, probably a year, a year and a half before they get into their story because of real estate and construction delays, et cetera. But they still need a mentor along the way. Right. Peter's going to fully fund it, but it's usually the, the, the franchisee or the um, area director helping this kid or this person to come up to the next level. Sure. So there's a lot of mentoring along the way. I talked a little bit with Peter yesterday about you know, his vision for Jersey Mike's and what he hopes to have accomplished with it once all is said and done. I'm curious your perspective on that same question just in terms of, you know, whenever decades from now, whenever you feel like it's time to retire and call it a day, what do you hope to have accomplished at Jersey Mike's and through Jersey Mike's? I, I, I think we already accomplished it. Um, it's not the number of stores you have. It's the number of stories, the number of uh, people that came along for the ride the vendors that are making, uh, that are creating more jobs and, and capitalism along the way. Uh, we have um, made a difference in a lot of folks' lives, from uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation to the food banks to the Special Olympics to even our folks in the store. We've given careers to a lot of people, and now it's become generational. And I, I've seen it, the, the generational uh, aspect of it. So I don't know how much more we can achieve except keep doing what we're doing and, and, and be better at it and just keep achieving more. Yeah. So if, we're, if I were to uh, walk away, uh, we're probably on the top of our game right now, and then next year we'll be on, a t- on top of the game again. So, sure. you know. It's very exciting. Mike yes. Manzo of Jersey Mike's, appreciate your time today. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Shelby Sicka, the district manager for a Jersey Mike's franchisee out of Arizona. Shelby, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm interested to hear a little bit more about you. Tell me how, how you got into the Jersey Mike's business. Well, first off, I appreciate you uh, bringing me on uh, yeah. to talk about uh, what potentially we have it for. Um, so back to your question on what got me here into the Jersey Mike's um, lifestyle is, honestly, I just came across it. Um, I was looking for a job during uh, college and all that good stuff. It, <clears throat> so coming across, I applied um, like every college student. And um, once I applied, I was like, okay, um, here you go. We'll try it out. It's a food industry. Um, I had no plans to be in the food industry. Um, I mean, like everybody will probably tell you is you think of everybody of a low life of if because you, you work in the food industry. Obviously, there's some big wigs and people that make it um, big, but that wasn't my plan. My plan is I went to college for uh, my IT degree. Um, I successfully got that through, but 
from there is I was given an opportunity because I had lost my social security card mm. <laughs> um, right at the beginning of orientation. He was like, uh, well, we won't hire you, but I, I see something in you. So I'm going to give you a few. Um, I never panicked so much in my life. I was in the process of moving from house to house. Mm. Uh, I was going to like tears are coming to my eyes because it's like, oh, my God, I want to lose this job is because at this time is the workforce was hard to apply for. Um, I applied for many, many jobs. And this one was just new concept to Arizona. There's a few locations that were there, but it was like, I got it. I got to land this. So the gentleman was like, um, I'm winning for you no matter what. Your your position saved. So I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> I'll be here. So that's what started me here um, for the love of it. Wow. And so obviously you've worked your way up now yep. to the point of being district manager. Yep. What's that process been like? And obviously you, you must be really loyal to the Jersey Mike system to yeah, want to so, still be doing that. Yeah, no. So I've been here for a little over a decade. So I'm pushing 12 years. Um, I... Uh, my anniversary is the first of uh, end of September, the first of October, around that time frame, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that is, it was a fast. At first, it was fast. Um, I get the job um, right after my nineteenth birthday, and uh, I'm like, yeah, well, crew member going into it, and my manager at the uh, time was like, hey, did you ever think about management? And I'm like. Uh, no, sir. This is like only my first job in life. Uh, <laughs> I was doing some preschool work before, but no, like, sure. He's like, no, no, we're going to do it. Yeah. So that December um, is then I was promoted uh, to a shift lead. And then it took about it's about six months to go up into an assistant. Um, we needed some help on going around um, a few locations. Uh, my franchisees um, were trying to grow more um so that opportunity came presented is i had to drive about 45 minutes from my house um just to help them get a store and they're like okay perfect and it was a great surprise because i i did the job um without asking questions um and i didn't say no i was like all right next challenge let's go and from after that it was being there for about four months um they promoted me to gm so i did that knocked it out of the ballpark um give myself a little pat on the back yeah um is and I kept doing it and it was funny because at one of my locations I sat there um, we were just opening at this time um, we were a six in nation and the busiest we're a remote location and it was just crazy so we're meeting some big wigs with one my male um, uh, owner and I was like hey can I tell people I'm the owner I was like all right I was like can I tell people I'm the district manager and he was like uh, I don't care that's just a title he was like uh, you can rock around being everybody you want. He's like, you can even be the owner. Um, <laughs> is just don't if anything comes back south, just make sure you know exactly who to say you really are, so we can uh, stress the situation from there. And I was mm. like, nah, I'm not ever gonna get in trouble. Who does that? <laughs> um, but at that point, is even though it was a joke, I took it into a more of a larger mindset. Is if he's willing to just joke about it, this man is about his word. Mm. Um, this the. Female owner, she's about her her word. So with that is, I'm going to challenge them on it. And within that is, uh, after that, because we opened that um, that March, that May, I was promoted to district manager. Wow. Um, and I took over four locations, and from four locations, uh, and all these old locations, I built op- um, help open. And then from there, built with the company. We're at 34 locations, and I haven't missed a, a grand opening since. So, wow, congratulations. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I've had a chance to speak with uh, CEO Peter Cancro, COO Mike Manzo yep. while here. And it's just so obvious that people are such a crucial part of the Jersey Mike system. Yes. 
Um, how do you see that manifest in the stores that you manage? Um, so it's, it starts with um, what we've all been trained for is we're in the people business, um, and our concept is a training concept. Is We just continue on. So coming back to my stores is it's not just – the pandemic put us, pushed us back. I will say that. Um, it pushed us back, so we were just on a hiring binge, and we just hired whoever, um, where we lost our little track of that culture. Of is going back to the basics is why do we why are we here what do we do? what's our purpose um, so with that is we realize is it wasn't too much of the people we were hiring it was too much of a it was the setback that we weren't coaching that ethic um, and it was about the people so we w- were going back and everything that was always in is the customers okay they're in the people business um, ourselves we're in the people business um, if we don't have customers we don't have jobs. Um, is even with the DoorDash and all the third parties that goes on, if we don't have any, any type of source of income, we don't have a business. And we have to be able to be above and beyond. So like our manifesto and our motto is uh, be a sub above, is we truly, truly want to like imitate that to everybody around. So it's when we do the hiring process, we look into it as in, yeah, I'm not personally hiring a crew member, but is I coach my managers to find that personality because you can teach anybody how to make a sandwich. Now our training program is pretty, it's a little hard for some people, but overall it's, it's really about the personality because we can teach somebody, even if it's like, Hey, we'll you wipe tables off for a few hours. If that really helps, cause you're helping the business grow, but making those people want to come back and have their name recognized. We don't wear name badge. So when somebody comes back and like, oh, my God, hey, Shelby, or hey, uh, such and such, it, it's, a great, it's a great feeling that kind of build that relationship. So yeah. that's what we're always going for is just uh, the people business and to con- continue on with giving people the opportunity to grow as well. Yeah, to that end, you've been given some great opportunities from people that you are reporting to. They're yep. giving you opportunities in management. How are you reciprocating? How do you plan to invest in those on your teams? Um, I always joke with them. I say I want to retire soon. Uh, I know I'm not going to go anywhere. I promise that. Uh, uh, and I don't know who's, I mean, I don't have a silver spoon. And I don't know what wealth I'm going to fall on, <laughs> but hey, we'll wish on that uh, another day. But I always tell them is, is I want them to be me. It's not the fact of, oh yeah, walk around, talk like me, be like me. Is I want them to have the passion. I want them to have the integrity, and I want them to succeed. Is At the age I am, I'm 32 years old, Is I can say I'm a very successful person. Um, I can say overall within my age category is I'm a very successful person. And this is not the, the end of my path, I promise you that. Mm-hmm. So is if I can get people to have that same energy, have that same personality, and to live by it, um, then I think they will succeed as well. And so me going back to the stores is – I want them to go to that. I really want them. I tell them, is it all about energy? So if you walk in and you're tired that morning, you better <laughs> leave that at the door. Come in and put a smile on your face and create that great energy because once you start doing that and you keep it routine over and over again, even giving yourself self-love, as you continue to do that over and over again, you start to live a positive life and your outcome to everything becomes more broad. Yeah. You, you see things on a different level. You try to achieve more instead of setting yourself back because you have this life of fear or the curiosity is not in the right spot. You're curious about something else where the curiosity of growth and just life in general is always a good thing. Yeah. Last question for you, Shelby. Um, you, you went to get a degree in IT. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't expect to be doing what you're doing now, but here you are, and clearly you you love it. What, what's your overall aspiration for 
either Jersey Mike's or beyond, what do you hope to have accomplished? Um, my my true, true accomplishment or hope to accomplish is be a better person for the next person. I want to be 100% a role model. Um, I want to be a mentor. Um, is I come from a, not a necessarily a rough family, but is not a low-income, middle-class middle uh, family. Um, I'm the only one that actually got a college degree. So is with that, I want to be the face of that. Um, I want to walk around, and they're like, oh, hey, who are you? Or it's not, I don't want that anymore. I want to be able to, like, oh, that's Shelby. Um, is she's done this. She came from this to now this. Is That's truly my uh, my overall achievement in life is I want to be someone, I want somebody to look up to me and say that I did. I do it to my mentors now. Is, um, I was actually coaching, a, uh, having coaching conversations to other people around is um, uh, within the, the event is I'm the person I don't need for you to tell me what I, I'm doing good at. I don't. Um, I need you to be able to tell me what I'm doing bad at because I want to grow. So I want to be able to give that feedback to somebody else because we always give them that participation award and yeah. things like that, that pat on the back. And it's like you're doing a great job, but there's more that you can achieve by just being a little bit more stricter to what your standards are. Sure. So. Shelby Sticka of Jersey Mike's. Shelby, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you uh, honoring me on here. Absolutely. Those were my interviews with Peter Cancro, Mike Manzo, and Shelby Sticka of Jersey Mike's. So what should, should you learn from these conversations? Here are my six takeaways. My first takeaway is that you should treat your company like a training company. This is something that Peter has talked about a lot to NRN and other media outlets. Uh, this fact that he heard Howard Schultz talk about how Starbucks was kind of like a training company, and he's really focused on turning Jersey Mike's into the same thing. And what he means by that is that Jersey Mike's is out there to sell sandwiches, yes, but they're especially out there to train their employees on how to be good leaders and good servants as employees of the brand. Uh, you know, according to Peter, he says they really go overboard on their training. And some people can't take it. It's not for everybody because they spend literally months training their employees to do a great job. But when you look at the success, this is where it's, it comes from. They are investing in their people, deeply investing in their people through that training. And that training leads to good, strong leaders. And the good, strong leaders end up becoming their owner operators. And so you can tell how that has uh, led to a direct ROI, the training that they're putting into their employees. My second takeaway is that if you bet on your people and their success, you will be rewarded. Uh, I mentioned a couple of times in my interviews with Peter and Mike, uh, just the the incredible ways in which Jersey Mike's gives franchises to leaders in the company, especially their best general managers. And Peter spoke uh, at the Prosper Forum about how he can really, he has a gut feeling about some of those leaders and how he'll give them a franchise. He will fully fund it. They pay him back over time, but he fully funds it up front. And, and eventually those people become strong leaders in their system. And according to Peter and Mike, this strategy of betting on those people, betting on their strong leaders and paying for them to become their own store, store owners, that eventually comes back to them through the growth of those leaders as franchisees, through the growth of their sales, through the exemplary model that they set as leaders in Jersey Mike's. Uh, it's a big bet, no doubt. Not a lot of restaurant companies out there would offer to fund 
their people, leaders in their system to have their own store. But that is a big part of the Jersey Mike's success story. They're placing big bets on their people. And clearly it is working. My third takeaway is that if you don't invest, you will fall behind. Something we've written about at NRN a few times over the past few years, and we get into uh, in my conversation with Peter, is that a few years back, Jersey Mike's paid for the retrofit for all of its locations. And we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars they offered to pay for. That is, again, something you do not see in the restaurant industry. Typically, this is a contractual obligation for a franchisee to do this every you know six, seven years. And it's in the Jersey Mike's contract as well. But Jersey Mike said this time around, you know what, we've got you. And the impact of that decision is really just incredible. Uh, according to Peter, he said that decision came back to them tenfold, that the investment they put into their system in that way came back tenfold. It came back in the increased sales at these restaurants. That's how you can certainly measure it from a dollar perspective. But imagine the the commitment, the loyalty, the passion you get out of your owner operators when you make a decision like that to pay for an expensive retrofit. That continues to pay dividends for Jersey Mike's. That is one of the another one of the core reasons why they are one of the hottest chains in America right now. My fourth takeaway is that uh, if you show your you should show your employees the path that they can take to leadership positions. Uh, at Jersey Mike's, they have a program that Mike discussed called I Went From Part-Time to Ownership, and they already have 75 stories of people who started at Jersey Mike's as part-time workers and now own their own stores. Uh, that is uh, maybe not unprecedented in the restaurant industry, but certainly for a company the size of Jersey Mike's um, is just incredibly impressive to have those kinds of success stories of people going from part-time worker to owner-operator. It's not an accident that this happens, though. Jersey Mike's shows their employees the potential path that they can take to ownership. If you show your employees that path, they have something to strive for. Something that the restaurant industry deals with a lot is just this idea that it's bottom rung of the workforce, that it's just a part-time job, just to pay for college or your car payments or, or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is that the restaurant industry is a career. There is incredible opportunity for people to start as a part-time worker, as an hourly worker, but the potential for them to grow into something important and a leader and certainly somebody who can make good money in this industry too, but more importantly is, is a person of some leadership and oversight and having a great career in that. Jersey Mike's is showing their, its employees how they can obtain that. And that gives them something to strive for. It gives them a goal. And then they work toward that goal. Show your employees that the path that they can take to their own leadership in your company. And I'm sure you will see some results from your employees striving to obtain that goal. My fifth takeaway is that uh, you should take care of your employees personally, not just financially. Yes, good pay is important today. You should pay your team members well. That is important to them. They need to have a livelihood. However, as Mike talked about in our conversation, personal development is all the more important as well. If you develop your employees personally, take care of their needs, whether that's their mental health, their physical health, um, you know, being a mentor, being somebody who can show them the ropes. If you pour into your employees, if you invest into them, then that means more even than what you're paying them uh, on an hourly basis. Uh, 
the secret to Jersey Mike's success is obviously uh, multifaceted, as you can hear from all of my, my takeaways, and you could hear from those interviews. Um, but it really begins and ends with how it is, is investing in its employees and the many ways in which it does that, because people you invest in want to stick around. They want to be loyal to you. They see you as, a, as somebody who is their leader, somebody who is their mentor. And again, there are real business benefits to that. My sixth and final takeaway is that you can measure your brand's success by the impact on all of your stakeholders. What I mean by that is you don't have to just look at your sales and your growth and your unit count to measure your success. Look at the impact you have on, of course, your employees. Look at the impact you have on your communities. Look at the impact you have on your vendors, on charities. There are so many ways that you can measure your success and it is so far beyond dollar figures and, and money and sales and, and all of that. That is one part of it. But look at the impact you're making. An important thing that Jersey Mike's does every year is their day of giving. It happens in March every year where they give one day, uh, they give 100% of their sales to charity. And earlier this year, it was something like over $30 million that they donated to charities. Now, multiply that by all of the years in which they've done this, and it will continue to grow. Uh, it's an incredible impact that Jersey Mike's has on charities, on its communities, that ultimately has on its employees. And Peter and Mike, and you can hear it with Shelby as well, you can tell that the success of Jersey Mike's is far, far more than how many sandwiches they're selling. It is what, uh, what are the lives they're impacting? What is the change they're bringing? And that was such an incredible inspiration to hear while we were at the Prosper Forum earlier this year. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and to leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okus at informa.com. Thanks again and talk to you next week.